0: Jula Singapura. Carlos Sainz takes his second career victory and what a race it was. This weekend on the Forecast F1 podcast, I'm joined by Samantha. Sam, you must be thrilled.
1: Absolutely thrilled. What a race. This, this definitely was one of the most exciting races of the season, if not the most, I think.
0: And with us from Puerto Rico is Luis Tirado, founder of Bookstalk PR. Luis, you've chosen a pretty nice weekend to come on here on the podcast with us.
2: Yeah, man, uh, absolutely. Uh, SR Ferrari, I'm really happy for it, so we're gonna have a great episode today.
0: Yeah, I think we have uh, a lot of material to go through. Um, Sam, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the track first?
2: Yeah, uh,
1: let's talk about, I think the the biggest thing to talk about when it comes to the track is the modification uh, that happened this year. So. Uh, basically what has happened is, is that uh, between turn 16 to 19 uh, they removed the the f- they removed turn the ter- those turns themselves from the final track uh, sector. So the track will no longer go under the grandstands towards the end of the lap and instead it has turned into a straight. Now specifically the reason why they decided to make this alteration uh, was because it was expected to decrease lap t- times but also it offers an additional overtaking opportunity. I think that we can collectively say that there was some pretty pretty nice overtakes <laughs> this race, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, agreed. I think um, going from the track into the free practice sessions, I think what was interesting, because usually on the night race in Singapore, free practice won is not a particularly interesting free practice session but now with the track alteration uh, i think uh, all teams were eager to to go and see what that change brings and um luis what did you um, did you watch all the free practice sessions
2: yeah absolutely uh we saw like Ferrari was in the top almost in the three practice sessions specifically with Charles Leclerc, that was that registered the best time of the session in the free practice session one with Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen were the top three. Then uh, we saw like Red Bull, like struggling a little bit. I don't know specifically if it was for the, um, like for the Singapore Grand Prix uh, Marina Bay circuit specifically, or if it was involved in some type of, the new regulations that the FIA introduced in these uh, Grand Prix. Then we saw, like, in the with Lewis Hamilton and George Russell being the top six in the first practice session. Then in the second practice session, we saw how Carlos Sainz went with the first place and then Charles Leclerc and then George Russell. It was uh, in the different media, was a speculation and expectation about. Fernando Alonso, like, going to win his 33rd uh, race, but he was struggling a little bit. Uh, Aston Martin, I don't know if they are more concentrating in the 2024 season, but we saw saw them, like, struggle big time. Then we saw Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris are the top six on the second session of the practice session, then in Saturday, yesterday, we saw how uh, the top three were Carlos Sainz, George Russell and Lando Norris, then Max Verstappen and and Charles Leclerc was the top five. So, Ferrari was dominating all three of the practice session, specifically Carlos Sainz was in the first place in two of the three of them.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary of, of what happened during the practice sessions. Uh, and it's it's a good point. It's interesting uh, to try and figure out whether Red Bull was a little bit behind on things because of that new technical directive, like you mentioned, uh, on, the, on flexible wings. I don't know if that was uh, something that influenced it or if it was, like you said, track specific. Um, they came back a little bit on the Saturday during Free Practice 3. Uh, they performed a little bit better than during the first two sessions. But uh, but yeah, uh, and and you mentioned Aston Martin there. They I think on their long runs on free practice too, they did actually quite well. I was surprised to see them uh, not not performing too well during qualifying and and um, the race either. But that's that's <laughs> looking <laughs> into the future. Uh, or are there any other things that we want to talk about regarding free practice sessions, or do we go straight into qualifying?
2: I think it, it all like it's a summary of it because it was not like a very big action in this uh, practice session. I think the practice session three was the more related to the qualification specifically for the pole position battle because we saw uh, how the Red Bulls were struggling at the end of that uh, free practice session three. They were more better than in the two but almost it was like the same position that they were aiming to because if we are talking about specifically about the qualification and everything i don't recall that red bull was solving the issues that they had in the in the practice sessions in the day before so they were like keep struggling also Fernando Alonso was way behind in that free practice session 3. He finished around 13. Stroll, I think that Aston Martin is a one driver team. So we continue to see the struggles of Lance Stroll and how Stroll is affecting the Aston Martin performance regarding the position in the Constructor Championship.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good segue into qualifying as well. Uh, Sam Stroll, what uh... What happened there?
2: What
1: happened there? Um, well, that was, first of all, a huge crash. Absolutely huge crash. So to see see a driver be able to walk away from that is remarkable. It also um, pays respect to the actual um, safety and the development that we have gotten to at this point within the sport, for a driver to be able to sustain damage like that uh, when it comes to the car and walk away from it. so. Uh, but yeah, absolutely massive crash. It looked like he lost control of the rear going into the final corner, I believe. And the unfortunate thing to that is also we did not get to see what Piastri was going to do as a result because this took place during Q1. And unfortunately, Piastri was right behind him about to put on a flying lap, it seemed, and was unable to complete it. So he resulted in a P17. He was knocked out Q1. But uh, yeah, just a, just a devastating crash and unfortunately for Stroll he was unable to uh, be in the race I believe that the reason why was more so that he was still experiencing a little bit of symptoms from that crash itself and they decided it was probably a better idea to not have him in the race on Sunday although you have to wonder imagine the mechanics trying to put that together anyways <laughs> overnight they definitely would have had to break the curfew again for I believe the second time in a row if they were even able to put the car together uh, for Sunday. so
0: Yeah, I guess it was a combination of both things, Stroll feeling sore and having to rebuild the car. But uh, yeah, it was definitely, I think earlier on in that uh, Q1 session, Stroll was impeded by Sargent a little bit. And and that's why he hadn't set a a competitive time yet. So uh, I think while on that flying lap, he saw that he wasn't really going to make it. And then he just went out uh, all out and all in or, well, lost it. And yeah. um, you mentioned uh, Piastri, but I think both McLarens were right. I think first Norris was right, right behind Stroll and then Piastri behind that. And um, Norris was uh, already uh, into into Q2, but uh, yeah, it was a shame not uh, seeing Piastri in there. Uh, on the other hand, in Q1, what, uh, <laughs> what amazed me was seeing uh, Tsunoda uh, taking the fastest time at the end of that session.
2: Yeah grief so I agree. the delivered like a great performance there also we saw how Liam Blossom was performing Liam Blossom, as a rookie he's like doing a great job with that Alfa Tauri specifically with Ricardo Tauri. so I think he's earning like the contract for next season also we saw how Nico Hulkenberg, Esteban Ocon also they like really did an amazing job and also uh, Kevin Magnussen. But regarding Lance Stroll, I think he was like practicing for the crash gate because they are like really <laughs> a, ma- a great amount of jokes in social media that specifically Fab- Flavio Reatore, Fernando Alonso, they are together in Aston Martin. So I think that that was the mission that Stroll had, but he failed completely. So, but yeah, uh, in that case, the
0: timing wasn't right.
2: Yeah, he, he didn't deliver the specific timing, but we saw how the, uh, both Ferraris were doing like really great. Also, both Mercedes were in the top five. Uh, specifically, they were like passing to the Q2. So I think that's like a summary of the, of the Q1 session specifically.
0: So talking about Q2, Luis, what did you make of uh, the Red Bulls failing to, to make it into the Q3 session?
2: Well, it's it was astonishing because you don't see that every day. You don't see Max Verstappen struggling, and they were having a traffic. So that's, I think that's the main part of it. But we saw how um, Ian Blossom took Max Verstappen out of Q three. It was like uh, surprising that Tunora was the one that he left the the because I think Sunora was like playing for the team specifically so he was trying like to let both of the Red Bulls like going to Q3 the two Q3 but you don't see that every day and I think the Formula One community worldwide were like really happy to see both Red Bulls out of Q3 it,
1: it you know what I thought of um it's something that it, it to me it gave me this this element of just an extra out of element of excitement of course because we've talked about it so many times and Anton you've mentioned it many times over that even though there's this consistency in Red Bull every single weekend the one weekend that it happens where all of a sudden you start to see them altering that's what's going to make it that much more exciting because of the fact that you've waited for so long so to see them knocked out and, and, um, although it's great to also see them successful, but to see them knocked out, it's, and then you're going into, into Q3 thinking, oh gosh, it's anybody's game at this point, you know, Ferrari's strong. Like you said, Lewis. Mercedes was on point Russell, especially. So it was, and then also to add the factor that it was Lawson that took, uh, Verstappen out because for him, this is his second race. So just Q two was was definitely thrilling, and it set the tone, and it just heightened, like I said, the excitement going into Q three. It was anybody's game.
0: Yeah, and only by seven thousandths of a second it lost and pushed for stopping out. And 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 you're right. I think that uh, we've been building up to this uh, climax, and and it does make it exciting because you know if you would if you would, uh, I don't know if you would see Red Bull not making it into Q three more often, it wouldn't be as exciting as it was now Uh, and it's and it's a i think it gotten to a point where even uh, a good amount of red bull fans and Verstappen fans um even didn't mind uh them not making it into q3 and and just having a race where um it was all out in the open because of um yeah because of the the starting grid and um well i i don't know it's um <laughs> it's it's not so nice to um, to cheer on the misfortune of a team, but uh, but then again, it did provide us with a with a special weekend. Um, what about Q three though?
2: Specifically, you want you want the Red Bulls. That if you want to win a race, you want them in the fight. But it it. it uh, I think Red Bull fans are used to like to see them winning every time. So I think that hurts uh, a little bit the formula one environment because You will see the same as the hybrid era mercedes dominance. So I think it affects the product It affects the marketing of the f1 Specifically regarding to q3. We saw how liam lawson was not in the fight up there. So he did um, only one one try also we saw how Alonso was seventh place I was like very surprised surprised about that result because I thought he was like aiming a little bit higher there but we saw how uh, Kevin Magnussen in the top six it was like really surprising to see him there Lewis Hamilton in the top five I didn't expect less from the seven-time champion but then that a battle from the top four between Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc, George Russell, and Carlos Sainz were, like, very entertaining too because they were, like, fighting to keep uh, each other, like, um, doing a better a better lap from them. So, but that, I think that final part of the session that Leclerc had the pole, but then George Russell was aiming to, but then Charles, uh, Carlos Sainz, like, uh, did a better lap than before, I think it was, like, very exciting to see that, and to see Carlos Sainz performing, like, really well from Monza to him to Singapore, it's, like, very exciting for Ferrari fans, specifically for that number one driver spot in Ferrari, so I think it was, like, really exciting, that Q3.
0: Yeah, Carlos Sainz has really found his form uh, coming back after the summer break. Uh, a double pole, um, two weeks in a row, uh, two races in a row. I think that's the first time in his career. So, um, yeah, that was a that was a great result. Um, and uh, it, like you said, it was a very very exciting battle to see the four of them um all going for pole, and and you know, usually uh, getting back again to seeing Red Bull usually in a Q3, you know that whatever the others fight for, that one of the Red Bulls is going to be able to to top it. But this was this felt like a more level playing field, and that made it very exciting.
1: I completely agree with both of you. I mean, even the difference between Signs and Russell, uh, Russell, I think narrowly missed by 0.07 seconds, so it was a very tight gap. Even Leclerc as well. And you're absolutely right. It just leveled the playing field. And uh, I, I felt like signs like you have mentioned since the summer break, he's come back and he's just been on point. But also, I think this weekend there was a lot of energy surrounding Russell. Uh, he seemed to be doing he, he just seemed to be on the ball. And the thing about Russell is, is that when he's really on <laughs> before we get in the race but when he's really on the ball he or when he's when he's on point he's really on point point. and so I just felt like during the qualifying he was just he was just squeezing every last bit that he could out of the track itself and that very last flying lap he put on was impressive so I think it was exciting
0: So come race day, we saw that there was actually a couple of different strategies uh, from different teams and team splitting strategies, especially uh, at the front, which we haven't seen for a while. Uh, but the two, the two Ferraris starting on different tires, uh, Leclerc starting on the on the soft C5 and uh, Sainz starting on the on the medium tire, the C4. Um, I think that was something that we haven't seen from Ferrari in a while, uh, splitting strategies and um and then of course um, we saw the red bulls both starting on the hard tire uh obviously aiming for uh a different strategy wanting to to see the race go on and and basically everybody um get into the pits but um what did you make of the different uh starting tires uh, louis at the beginning of the race
2: specifically um i think ferrari was trying like to make leclerc help carlos sainz because i think they noticed that Carlos Sainz had a better pace during the weekend, and specifically with the soft tires, I think they were like maybe around 28 laps, if I recall uh, recall better. But I think they were aiming to because Carlos Sainz was better on on the specific mediums in the during the weekend. So I think that's like a risky strategy for Ferrari, but it paid dividends specifically regarding to Carlos Sainz. I think uh, Charles Leclerc, uh, I don't know how to say this, but I think uh, he's not like a team player. If we go like uh, way past the the specific final part of the race, but, i think that that uh different strategies for both ferrari drivers were trying to at least make a double podium so i i was really really way into it with that strategy
0: and it was an interesting start of the race because leclerc did immediately grab that second spot uh from russell and then we also saw hamilton passing a couple of cars and actually getting into p3 position but uh, not in a legal way so that kind of messed up uh, uh, russell's race at the beginning or russell's start because he had hamilton in front of him um waiting for him to give the position back and and he later even had to give it back to norris as well so that was um uh, at the beginning quite a nice situation for ferrari uh with the two cars driving away sam um what were your thoughts there
1: i think that uh like you said it it in the very beginning, it was difficult for Russell because Hamilton had, had taken that spot and then there was there was a separation in terms of time between him and the Ferraris ahead of him. I thought Leclerc had pulled a fantastic move and they were really in a strong position, both Ferrari drivers. And, I mean, you did see the struggle, like Lewis touched on, with Leclerc. Uh, the Ferrari had asked him to give a little bit more space in order to be more defensive, to just with the strategy in mind of, of at this point just securing a win ho- a hopeful win for the race and, and it looked like Charles was struggling with that call in the beginning. I do think that he ended up managing to, uh, to, to give the space but it, it didn't end up working that well for his race altogether as, as a whole. He seemed to face a few challenges throughout the race, uh, one being the fact of the strategy later on during the virtual safety car which I'm sure we'll discuss in a little bit but the initial beginning parts of the race i found interesting because of the fact that you had that strength with ferrari and you were also in a situation where with red bull starting further back uh verstappen was able to make some advancements but it's a tough track to overtake on and so i mean you you put the risk out there to to overtake but the 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 risk is great if you do end up just taking it a little bit too tight so i think that he was managing it effectively but at the same time he wasn't making the ground that we're used to seeing if he is so set further back which is rare and i also would say that felt a little uh it was a little disappointing for Sargent in the beginning because he did understeer and he went into the wall and that pretty much cost him his race because his front wing was damaged quite considerably and then he limped himself back to the pits. But what was interesting was that actually forced a safety car because all the debris on the track itself from him doing that. So then in turn, once that took place, all of a sudden we had this tire strategy, which in the beginning, like you mentioned for Red Bull, starting off on hards, I think that their strategy in mind was going for a hopeful safety car or even just pit stops to ride it out. But it ended up, not working in their favor in the long run i think initially triggered by that safety car you gave the advantage to signs who was able to pit unfortunately for leclerc it it lost his position as a whole because he was held up by traffic in the pits and then you saw several laps later red bull suffering as a result of staying out there because now they're on worn rubber so i think the i think the beginning of the race and uh well i guess through the first third of the race we should say it was it was something where you saw the strength of ferrari but then you also saw as a result of just sergeant going into the wall how things quickly changed
0: yeah it was funny because uh uh well funny isn't the right word but Sargent just yeah he couldn't turn the car and then uh he drove a full lap before going into into the pits and then when he went into the pits that was the point when they called out the safety car which was slightly odd for me but um, but yeah overall uh, looking at the strategies um, yeah it's it's it kind of um, it wasn't exactly what red bull was planning for um, because everybody at that point in time after lap 19 basically got a cheaper pit stop and uh, the pit stops do take a long time in singapore there's a low speed limit so um, that was unlucky on the red bulls and then course they were hoping to get a safety car or virtual safety car later on in the race to get a cheaper pit stops themselves but that virtual safety car only came out after they had already pitted so um on that sergeant incident that was basically a free go for all all drivers to go into the pits i think the only ones that didn't were the ones that started on the hard so it wasn't only for stop and Pires, but also bottas Um perez by the way who had damage on his his front um, on his front wing on his end plate that was uh, I think from touching Tsunoda, who was out of the race after lap one um, he he was very unlucky two races in a row uh, not even being able to start at Monza and and not making it further than one lap in Singapore
1: you know what it's heartbreaking to be honest to see. The lab races with Yuki, and I think the main reason why is not just because of the results, but also because of the position that he's in in this current moment in time. Because I, I think that there's a confidence surrounding the fact that Ricardo is going to be a part of AlphaTauri going into next year for 2024. But like we've mentioned, the success that Liam is showing at this point uh, really holds, and and the fact that he is overperforming Yuki, regardless of Yuki's outcomes. What does the future hold for Yuki going into 2024? I mean, we started this season with him and DeVries and the fact that he was overperforming Nick, and you felt more confident that he had a secure seat going into 2024. But now there's a bigger question mark. And so, regardless of the fact of something like this, whether it's his control or not, it doesn't help him moving forward with that conversation.
0: Luis, who would you put into the seats of Alpha Tauri next year?
2: Well, yeah, it's uh, like a little bit of, but it's a little bit funny because I talk about it in my Instagram page specifically, but rumors are surrounding that Ricardo and Lawson are the 2024 20, couple for, or teammates for us, Alpha Tauri, and Tunoura is aiming to a reserve driver role with Aston Martin, so because the specific links that he had with Honda so i think the perfect like teammates will be Lawson and Tsunoda maybe but they are pushing Ricardo because of his marketing value so i don't see like Ricardo doing great things in Alpha Tauri, but that's a little bit disappointing disappointing for Tsunoda so I think that's that will be the couple um Liam Lawson and Danny Ricardo.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's also something to take into account. Uh, Ricardo's marketing value is obviously a lot higher. Um but purely as drivers I, I would tend to agree if 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 I was calling the shots I would also put uh, Lawson and Tsunoda in uh, in the car. But uh yeah, I guess uh, it's uh, it's other people calling the shots, unfortunately. Um, so, during that uh, back to that safety car, uh, we also saw that uh, Alonso locked up going into the pits and getting a five-second penalty for that. He didn't have, um, and we touched upon it earlier, um, but he didn't have the, the nicest of races uh, in his career in Singapore. Because he's usually quite good around this track, isn't he?
1: He struggled this weekend. He had the five-second penalty. He went off the track, I believe, on lap forty-seven, and then he went down to seventeenth. And then also when he had the pit stop, uh, where he served the five-second penalty, it looked like they were they had some struggle with the tires as well. So it just seemed like an off weekend for Alonso.
2: Absolutely. After all the hype that was with the with his thirty-third win. Specifically, Singapore was one of the tracks that he was referring to, to a better chance of the 33. Um, I was a little bit disappointed to see Aston Martin deliver so low in that track specifically. I think they they are having internal problems specifically with the land Stroll issue and also I think they are, like, used to keep in, in that place specifically because if you saw, like, the different press release that Mike Crack is talking to the media and his expressions, they are, like, very used to to the performance that they are having. Too. They are not aiming higher. They are not, like, trying to... Give, uh, to have better updates for the AMR, AMR 23. And I think the front win issue that they, were, they had the flexible thing at the beginning of the season, that affects them a lot. So we saw like the Aston Martin struggling like big time specifically. And I think Alonso is a very disappointing with the team specifically right now. I think Aston Martin will have to make some choices to next year. They renew Lance Troll, but they have to do something if they want to keep Alonso because Alonso is a very... He he has high expectations, so I don't think that Aston Martin is like doing very well. I don't think that they will finish the season in a very like good term specifically, very good performance, but once one race at a time i hope we uh they do better at suzuka
0: and i suppose uh, the two of us were especially disappointed because we both had him on uh, on p3 in our predictions this weekend louis so that that was a double shame um, him finishing uh, i think 15th it wasn't the end but um, yeah so going back to the safety car everybody went to pit and then we got um, an interesting order uh, behind the safety car because Sainz managed to still get in front of Verstappen Um, and um, and Norris was able to gain a place on on Leclerc. Leclerc would definitely have wanted to be um, in front of Norris there, and um, I think two other teams that kind of uh, missed out a little bit there were the Haas's because um, yeah, both starting in in pretty decent positions, but uh, but behind the safety car, uh, Magnussen was in eleventh and and Hulkenberg in in fifteen, um, and and all the more kudos to to Magnussen for actually uh, finishing on on P ten at the end of the race and taking a point a very important point uh, for Haas there.
1: And then we went from there, actually, to uh, a couple of, of interesting battles. I would say the battle between Alonso and Ocon that was seemed to be ongoing for quite a quite an extended period of time was really exciting. Uh, one of the more interesting battles through the middle portion of the race. However, uh, I, although I felt like Ocon was, was going to have a fantastic race or at least a decent result this weekend. And... Uh, which would have in a sense been a little bit more redeeming considering the uh most recent results that he's had unfortunately it looked like there was an engine failure or something to do with the with the car itself and he had to retire but again it triggered a uh, it actually triggered a virtual safety car and i think from that point we looked at strategies as well that took place and and the pit stops that took place at that point that really defined what happened moving forward and towards the end of the, uh, towards the end of the race and the laps themselves. So, um, from that virtual safety car, we saw Mercedes pit, both drivers pitted for mediums, fresh set of mediums. And we saw the decision that Ferrari took to keep Leclerc out. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? I guess, Lewis, when it came to that, the difference in those strategies.
2: Specifically, uh... Leclerc at that time was with hard tires, so I think he was aiming to like finish the race uh, with that type of performance. And he was like doing really well. But we saw how after that safety car specifically, that was what I was referring at the first part of the of this podcast, how that was uh, affecting Charles Leclerc specifically because at that part of the race that we saw that Leclerc was out also we saw how Russell was improving a lot and also Lewis Hamilton so I was like like very nervous about that because I saw how Russell will be like the main threat for Carlos Sainz win but then after after a thing like lap 50 or 52 at most, I saw how George Russell overtook Charles Leclerc so easily that he, I don't know if he didn't have the tire or if he didn't, like, try to push it more or something, but I, as a Ferrari fan, I don't see, like, Leclerc doing, like, a great team job specifically because I think he could make things a little bit difficult for George Russell, and he didn't do that. So we saw how George Russell overtook uh, Charles Leclerc, and then he, he was like pushing a lot Lando Norris. We saw how uh, Carlos Sainz uh, helped Lando Norris specifically with the DRS to keep George Russell uh, like very stable in that third position. But if Lando didn't do that, I think George Russell was the one that could want this race because I think he will overtook Lando Norris as well. So, But I think specifically that hard tire decision was very in the wrong end for Charles Leclerc.
0: No, definitely, and I think it was a it was a very interesting twist to the race to uh, to get that virtual safety car and and Mercedes deciding to pit there, um, and actually uh, also Magnussen pitted there, which which definitely got him the point. Uh, he went on softs, but um, yeah, it was um, I guess for all us that are happy to not see Red Bull on the podium for once, uh, it would have been a very different race if Ocon um, would have um, stalled before. The Red Bulls had made their pit stops on lap 40 because that might have actually seen the Red Bulls, um, or at least one of them, get to the podium. I think so. I guess um, I guess in this case it turned out um, for the better. It was a it was a very interesting last part of the race to watch. And um, the, like you said, Sam, there was a lot of good battles. You mentioned the one uh, between uh, Alonso and Ocon, but the, the, for a while it was Perez in between. In between them as well in the mix and and that was a great battle to see but there was a lot of great passes that we saw right after the uh, uh restart of the first uh, safety car but um yeah towards the end of the race i think um that um yeah that little train that we had uh, with um with Sainz and norris and then russell and and, and hamilton getting uh, closer and closer that was that was nail-biting
1: absolutely absolutely nail-biting i was on the edge of my seat because you like also when it came to russell he was he was really capitalized he was just he was flying, he was capitalizing on the time that he had, and then you also had Hamilton directly behind him, and we've seen Hamilton time and time again be in positions where uh if there is a if there is a tight battle up front he he sometimes sits back and waits for the opportunity to just capitalize on that in advance, and so I was waiting for that to happen, but at one point there was a situation where you had Russell attempting to make his move on Norris. And that was where you saw Hamilton then trying to attack Russell. And then like you had pointed out, Lewis, the fact that signs made the, uh, made the, the decision to be able to, to provide Norris a little bit of an ability to have DRS to fend off the Mercedes. I thought it was absolutely thrilling. The, really unfortunate situation is for Russell. Uh, and at the very end, he, he clips the wall and ends up crashing out. And Norris himself had also clipped the wall. However, of course, he managed to, uh, to not take as much as Russell certainly did. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we love so much about Formula One is, is the unpredictability and the fact that there are in a, in a race like this, where you have a situation where Red Bull is at a disadvantage or is, is clearly not in a, in a more successful position. What a better race! But to see in the final laps through four cars just battling it out like that, I found that that was the most fitting way to see something like that. So it was it was really exciting yeah and
0: at the at the same time there was also like you were saying the unpredictability so there was also a constant threat of of another safety car or something happening because in the last 20 25 laps we had a couple of yellow flag situations where you already mentioned before alonso went off um uh, for a bit and and we had Bottas stalling causing a yellow flag but he was he was able to to or they were able to get his car off track uh, we had the little situation uh, between um, uh, Perez and Albon, for which uh, Perez was uh, penalised post race with a five-second penalty. He was 11 seconds ahead of Lawson, so that didn't cause him any any damage in points. But um, you know that would have been something if if we would have gotten a, a virtual safety car or especially a, a, an actual safety car. Uh, it would have had a def- uh, definitely a different outcome because. Uh, then the Mercedes being on on um, on fresher tires would have um, would have gotten them uh, probably the the race win. Um, which, with hindsight, it was a very good decision of them to use less medium tires during the, or especially Russell, I think he had two sets of new medium tires going into the race, which which did pay off, which I think was one of the things that Ferrari was very afraid of. Um, but um, yeah, well, in the end, it didn't. It didn't get them the race win, but um, but it was interesting. And I think I saw Hamilton during qualifying also driving on on medium tires rather than than the softs at a certain point. So I, I, I thought that he also saved a set of soft tires, uh, additionally to to well compared to the others that were in Q3. But um, but uh, yeah, constant threat of things happening, but in the end, Sainz was able to um, to sit it out. And to finish the race uh, as the race winner, uh, deservedly the driver of the day. Do you think?
1: Absolutely. I think he. I think he drove brilliantly uh, this weekend. He just not only did he have a fantastic weekend, but I think overall in the race to be, be able to uh, drive the way that he did, I think he definitely deserved the win and obviously driver of the day. Lewis, what were you thinking?
2: Well, uh, uh deserved that uh, driver of the day specifically. He he was almost completing a Grand Chelem. but uh, George Russell and, Lew- and then Lewis Hamilton took the fastest lap out of him. He dominated around three from four sessions, uh, excluding the race specifically, so I think this was the perfect weekend for Carlos Sainz and he deserved the driver of the day. So
1: agree. And actually one other thing I want to mention is one driver is Piastri. He started at P17. He managed to finish in the points at P7. So I think that's something also important to mention because that is a very uh, great recovery on his end. And then in turn, ends up giving McLaren the opportunity to score points for both drivers.
0: Agreed. Signs being the driver of the day for me. Second driver of the day, if I gotta pick uh, someone, it's it's gonna be Lawson. I mean, to get uh, to get two points on your third race in your career in Formula One, that's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, in AlphaTauri, obviously, because uh, yeah, you gotta take that into account. So, a uh, couple of um, unexpected point scorers, I guess, um, and um, yeah, was uh, was, uh, was a was a great race.
2: Couldn't agree anymore. <laughs> I think it was the best of the season so far because the Red Bulls were there that first thing. They were, like, in podium places. Uh, I would love to see Carlos Sainz defeating Max Verstappen or defeating Checo Perez at the podium. It would be, like, really great that. But the unpredictability of this race and that unexpected situation that... That battle between Sainz, Norris, Russell and Hamilton, I think Monza and Sandburg were really great, specifically Sandburg with the weather issue. But did uh, this race get the the excitement, that um, unexpected situation? We were having four drivers aiming to the win. So I think this could be, at this moment, the best race of the season.
0: Actually, you know what, I, I think I agree because um, we saw, for example, Zandvoort and Melbourne be quite exciting, but simply because it was extremely chaotic, but pure racing, I agree that Monza and, and Singapore, but um, yeah, for me, Singapore, yeah, I would also say so that it was the best racing we've seen this season. Uh, Sam, would you, would you agree or...
1: I'm thinking about it as as the two of you are talking about it and and I do I I do believe that like you said Anton from a racing perspective I think this was the best race of the season and um I it's it's funny because to me going back uh, Australia holds a a definitely a strong memory for me uh, in terms of the one of the most exciting which also was one of the was probably the most challenging race and uh, for signs in in terms of a of a difference there, but like you had said, I think more so the reason why was because it was just absolutely chaotic. So yes, I think this is the one that probably holds the most interest when and uh, interest when it comes to racing, and definitely one that is I think one that we're going to remember for a while.
0: Alright, so Luis, you being a guest on our podcast, I would like to know from you a little bit more about how did you get into Formula One, how did you get interested, and what do you do with your talk channel? And also, I'd like to know a little bit about popularity of Formula One in Puerto Rico.
2: Okay, sure, Uh, I think that this project came around 2018, I think, because I was in the university, and the class that I was into was a blogger class, so specifically was into Formula One behind, I think, Schumacher Era, Uh, my, I could say, like, my favorite driver of all time is Ayrton Senna, and I keep watching, I was watching Formula One from Schumacher Era in Ferrari, so... I begin that uh, this project around 2018, 2019 for the passion of the Formula One specifically in Puerto Rico, we were not having any podcasts related to F1. So I would think I was the first one to do it. Uh, I began like in the different platforms, specifically an audio podcast and then. I was i had the opportunity to had a, pos, a podcast in spain specifically about f1 uh in a different channel different media so i began with that specifically uh, working with f1 and also working with formula uh, soccer and formula one then uh i keep like growing the instagram page of box talk and doing the podcast in youtube also working in, the, in my page, specifically Buckstock PR, And we didn't have the popularity in Puerto Rico, specifically of F1, thanks to Drive to Survive, I think uh, the popularity in Puerto Rico is rising, specifically related to Formula One. We see here a whole bunch of Red Bull fans day in Puerto Rico, I think most of the people are Red Bull fans uh, because of Checo also. and and You see how the people are like into it. So in Puerto Rico specifically in that one. So I think that that could like give you guys a brief about how the uh, box talk concept came to like.
0: Well, I would say for everyone listening, uh, do check out uh, Luis's channel. And especially for Spanish speaking listeners, uh, do check out Box Talk PR, because I think is it every Wednesday night when you do a live stream video uh, with a guest talking about um, current topics in Formula One?
2: Uh, specifically, uh, the main reason for that is because I, I love the collaboration specifically i love to bring other experts other analysts from different countries talk about f1 a passion that we share too we that we love to this awesome sport and we had collaborators from spain from mexico dominican republic different countries that they love f1 also so we used to have different collaborators also We're trying to have more girls collaborators because we see in Puerto Rico that most of the F1 podcasts are only guys. And I love when we have uh, girls involved because they have like a different reasoning for things and they work really great with us. So that's one uh, initiative that we are creating. So yeah, we have Wednesday nights, uh, 8.30 p.m. around in Puerto Rico that we are making an Instagram lives, specifically talking about the preview of the next Grand Prix, specifically if we don't have a Grand Prix that week, then we are talking about the recent topics of F1 and some of its history that we love to
0: didn't you have, as a guest, one of the guys from Jeppiano on a couple of weeks ago?
2: Agree. We, agree. Uh, we have a collaboration with them, specifically with El Buda, El Buda F1. I think he's, a, he's an encyclopedia of F1 or something because he knows a lot. Mm-hmm. And also uh, his wife, Sandra Cosme, uh, that he has a chrono F1. Is very talented also, and I think we made around three or four lives together. We will continue to keep doing them, but yeah, they were on our page also. Nice.
1: Yeah, I think that's really great that uh, that your focus when it comes to being consistent and providing the F one information is also to have different people from uh, different locations and different perspectives come and and be able to add. Ah, uh, their input as well. I think that is similar to us, we we like to do that as well. And I think that it is uh, really important, and it and it helps continue to promote uh, how, uh, how 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 wide-versed the the actual community of F1 is. So I think that's fantastic.
2: Yeah, we we share the same language for this sport. We share the same love for this sport, and so that's what the main, re- the main reason to do it. We will continue to do it. Uh, when, I w- when I had the YouTube program specifically show that we had before, we were getting uh, talent from Republic- Dominican Republic, Mexico and that, so we, we, we love the collaboration and I think the collaboration is like what can help an F1 podcast grow because you can't specifically rely on your your population or your citizens of your specific country. You have like to go worldwide in this, uh, in this era, in this social media era. So I think it helps you a lot to get the collaborations doing. And they they gave you different point of view, so it's better that way.
0: No, I agree. It's great to connect to people from all around the world, and I'm I'm pretty sure most of the listeners uh, to this podcast uh, would tend to agree.
1: <laughs> yes, and and I think one one other just little important thing that you mentioned there that we both feel strongly about as well is is the fact that it's. When, when you have people from, like you mentioned, it's important to have people from all different walks of life and, and locations because essentially that's a huge part of this sport. I mean, the sport itself also is hosted all over the world. And so when you have that, what you, what you touched on that I was gonna say is so important is the fact that we all have this common shared love that it doesn't matter where you're from um, or who you are, everybody has this one unique shared love for this sport and so i think that that's something that's uh, just a really great part that i love when it comes to f1
2: I agree we breathe the f1 we breathe the passion and that's the that's our engine in our lives it's a style of, of life the f1 so that's the main focus of Our initiative and our podcast so hoping to have more people from all around the world specifically to give us different point of views and great uh debates and that so we love everyone to we love everyone that talks about f1 so
1: Okay, well I think it's that time. Let's let's see first of all how we did when it comes with the scores, Anton.
0: Right, so um, let's go into the stats of this weekend. We had 503 people playing Forecast F1 with an average score that was, as you may expect, extremely low. <laughs> Uh, we had an average score of 20.7, which, um, mm. well, the, the, the previous lowest score was uh, 38 in Monaco. So uh, it's, uh, it's almost half of that. Um, how many people, as we always ask, how many people, Sam, do you think predicted a correct podium?
1: Goodness. I'm going to say that I feel like somebody did, did pick it. So I'm going to say one person.
0: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, nobody did. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: okay
0: so let's look at those that um, made it to the podium this weekend so on p1 actually sam there's a fellow countryman there's a canadian who scored 62 and a half points and that was joshua cox and he had very nice a correct p1 he had signs there he had a correct p3 with Hamilton, just unfortunately didn't put Norris on P2 because then he would have had the podium correct. He uh, he did have a correct uh, P4 with Leclerc and also put Piastri on P7. Second, we have from Slovakia, Jakub Hinca, who scored 62 points, only half a point less. And he had a correct P1 and P2, um, but not a correct P3. So, he also had Piastri on P7 and actually put Lawson on P9. So, uh, I think that deserves a round of applause as well. And
1: um, Absolutely. third,
0: we had Daniel Gray from the UK. He scored 59.5 points, had a correct P1, correct P4 and actually put Verstappen on P5. Um, so with the high score being 62.5, we do not have any new high scores, neither worldwide and also not uh, in the different continents. So let's go straight talking about the current standings. We have on P1, Jesus Diaz from Uruguay. He still is on P1. Um, He made it to that first spot during the last race in Monza and he then had a a 8.5 point gap to P2 but he scored 29 points and Tobias Chouly scored only 18.4 so he actually extends his gap and is now 19 points ahead of P2. So yeah, uh, Tobias remains on P2 and Filip Hovayek remains on P3. Uh, he scored 23.1 points this weekend. So that's the only three players that now have scored a total of 800 points or more. So that's the front runners. Let's go to our scores. And um, first 1st uh, <laughs> let's go to uh, Luis. You actually had a podium predicted of Leclerc, Sainz and Alonso. So um, you did put Sainz on the podium there, which, uh, which gets you... Uh, uh, some points, fifty percent of the points, so twelve and a half points. And um, you actually put Verstappen on P five, so you you scored full points for that. That, that gets you wow. ten points.
2: Oh, well, it's really great because I I was like trying to get a view of it, and I thought that I didn't, I had any luck with that, uh, with that order. But yeah, it's absolutely fine that I have almost two. So
0: and and do you remember who you put on p10 uh,
2: i had magnus and p10
0: exactly so you had that correct too so i think that's also a, a, a nice accomplishment sam um Very nice. you did score a few more points than luis but what i forget to mention actually you were luis you were 111th this weekend from everybody and um that means you go well you you started playing um only a few races to go ago in in Zandvoort. actually uh, i should mention here that on your very first weekend that you played you made it to the podium and you were third in in, in Zandvoort. so uh, uh that was that was quite shocking you're going from p671 to p625 so you're, you're going up a couple of places um sam you had a podium of do you remember your podium
1: uh, i do i do i had uh, i hope i do i had verstappen i had signs and then i believe i had hamilton and lando in p4
0: you had leclerc on p3 or leclerc yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. <laughs> um but um
1: Oh, dear. I knew right away. But you did have uh, <laughs> Leclerc, and I, I had Hamilton, Laura. Yeah.
0: You had Hamilton actually for fastest lap, so he did score that point, and um, and you also put Piras on P8, so that was also correct. So you actually, with your 32 and a half points this weekend, you were on P65, which is which is quite good. Um you were on P132 at the end of Monza. You're now moving up to P113. Woo-hoo! myself i scored only 15.8 points i went with a podium for stop and perez alonso so that didn't get me any points i had leclerc on p4 uh, that's my small triumph but uh, i was p319 Um so i actually dropped from p85 to p87 unfortunately so um yeah, those are those are our scores. Actually, Luis, you weren't the highest classified um, uh, Puerto Rican b- because uh, Maricelis actually finished P44. She scored um, she scored more points than, than than you did.
2: Yeah, she had. I think, if I remember correctly, she. Let me see here. I think she she had Pines on second place. She had Bert- Verstappen on third place. She had correctly Hamilton on the podium. She had Leclerc on four, on P four, and I think I think that was the the better three that she had. So
0: yeah, and she had Pires on uh, on P eight as well. So she scored all those points too. Those were four points and some points for p three because she put him on on P nine. So yeah, pretty good result. Thirty six point three points for her. Absolutely.
2: Oh, I think she will like really happy with the result.
0: The other Puerto Rican player Orlando scored uh, a lot fewer points I think he's somewhere around the last page so that's a bit unfortunate for him but uh, but yeah, great results overall for you and um, uh, I think that brings us to our weekly quiz where basically I'm gonna ask the three of you to guess how many people had each person correctly predicted. So we're going to start with P1. And uh, of course, signs won the race. So my question is first to Sam. Sam, how many people do you think correctly predicted signs to win the race?
1: I think there's going to be a few because we have the ability to watch uh, FP1 and FP2. So anyone seeing that and seeing the struggles that Red Bull had, I think some were going to pick Ferrari as a win. So with that being said, I'm going to say seven people.
0: All right, Luis, how many people do you think correctly predicted signs to win this race out of 503 people predicting?
2: I think maybe five picked signs for the win. So,
0: so it was actually a couple more people. There were 25 people who predicted signs to win this race.
2: Oh. well, We were, we were like, really far. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it it's actually cuz I, I went over a little bit uh the percentage of people that pick for Verstappen each win each race to win the race. So, when we go back to the very beginning of the season during the first race, 67% of everybody playing picked for Verstappen to win the race. So, um after that after the first few races, of course, we saw that um uh, Red Bull was uh, winning a lot of races, so that percentage went up, you know, people um, went um, predominantly with Verstappen as the winner for races in Saudi, Australia, uh, Azerbaijan, Miami. Then actually, Monaco is an odd one out where 50% of the people went with Verstappen. But after that, you know, percentages were extremely high. And during the last few races, starting from Austria, every single race weekend, more than 90% of the people went with a Verstappen win. But This weekend, in Singapore, only 68% of the people went with a Verstappen win. So there were actually quite a lot of people that went with uh, different race winners. We had 56 people that went with a Leclerc win. There were 47 people that went with a Perez win. So 25 that went and got correct P1 for signs. And then 16 people went with Hamilton, 12 with Alonso, and 4 went with with Norris. Interestingly, nobody went with Russell, so if he would have won the race, then nobody would have gotten that correct. So, um, so yeah, um, i inter- interested also to see what that's going to do uh, for the race uh, that we have next week in Japan. But um, let's get back uh, to the quiz. So, Sam, you're scoring the first point there because you were closer with seven. Um, now I want Lewis to tell me how many people you think had correctly predicted Norris P2.
2: Wow, I think mm, 12 people. I'm going
1: to say, I'm going to go a little higher, and I'm going to say 15.
0: Sam, the point goes to you again. It was 22 people, but you were both relatively <laughs> close, I would say. Close, so, yeah. uh, 22 people had Norris on P2, yeah. Um, Sam, we go to P3, and that was Hamilton.
1: Hmm. Now, I know that Hamilton has the, has the, he does pretty well in Singapore. So I'm going to say that there was some confidence maybe in thinking he would get a podium. So I'm going to go up a little bit and go to
2: 28. I think maybe 30, uh, 33 people.
0: There is your first point, Luis, because you're closer. That's though only half of the amount of people that got it correct. So it was 66 wow. people that had Hamilton on P3. Oh. Yeah, it's quite that a lot. That is quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So we move on to Leclerc on P4. Luis, your turn. Mm, 25?
1: I'm going to go up and say 40.
0: Again, that's only half or even less than half of the <laughs> amount of people. There were a lot of people with uh, a Leclerc on P4. So there were 83 people that had Leclerc wow. on P4. quite a, Quite a lot.
1: Yeah, that is quite a lot.
0: Yeah. Um then an interesting one for stopping on P five, Sam. <laughs> and we know Louis got that right, so at least yes, one person. Yes. But how many how many besides him?
1: Okay. I'm going to say I'm just gonna say twelve.
2: I think maybe fifteen. Oh pardon? Eighteen.
0: It was only 10 people. So that point goes to Sam.
1: Very nice. But I bet, I bet the most of us would have never picked him for P5 up until, mm-hmm. uh, or some, those that chose that position, that was the first time they probably put him in P5. <laughs> Unless you're a Jeep. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually, talking about a he went, uh, uh, he went with the wrong Ferrari win. He went with uh, Leclerc win. And, uh, uh actually had um, signs only on p5 so uh, the one weekend where ferrari does get a race win uh, <laughs> he uh, doesn't capitalize unfortunately <laughs> but um all right let's move on to p6 and that was Gasly. I, I don't think we we talked too much about the alpines um
1: we didn't during
0: their race but um but Gasly, you know uh, i think it's uh he's been doing quite good as well in the last couple of races with his um with his good P3 finish in the sprint in, in Spa and then being on the podium in Zandvoort and, and now again getting a decent amount of points. Uh, uh, Gasly's been, well, I think Ocon was also unlucky, but, uh, but, but Get, Gasly had a good race in that respect. Uh, but how many people would have put him there on P6, Luis? What do you think?
2: Mm. 30 people, 30
1: that is a good guess. I am going to go a little lower though and say twenty.
2: Okay,
0: look, I'm gonna say this this one really, really surprised me. I, I had to like really double check because there was only three people who had gosley on P six.
1: Oh my goodness. That that's another surprise for this weekend. Yeah. I yeah. I'm very surprised. I
2: think they didn't expect that. They didn't expect like Alpine being the fourth team on the on the grid for this race so i think that will that ghastly went p6 ocon was six before is uh dnf so it did they like really did a great job no
0: true a lot of people sorry yeah go ahead sam
1: oh no i was just gonna say that it's it's funny because i say it's surprising but then when i think about it myself i don't think i had him in my top 10 and i i Think about it, and the reason why I made the picks that I did was because the um, the the actual competition amongst the teams has, has gotten larger now with the success of McLaren. And so it really whittles down the uh, choices to put people, at least for my picks, uh, in between the 5 to 10 range who you're going to put there because you, you now have Mercedes in the conversation, McLaren, uh, Ferrari, obviously, Red Bull, that right there is a considerable amount of your top 10 and so Gasly is always someone that I would consider depending on the track and it's interesting because although it's surprising that there's only three at the same time well I, I it's surprising at the same time I didn't choose him and then yet he has had success like you mentioned Anton recently so he would be a logical choice to put in there
0: Actually, none of us had uh, any of the Alpines in our list uh, uh, and the people that did really? uh, put either Gasly or Oak on there, uh, most of the people put them around P9, P10, a couple of P8, so yeah, um, surprisingly few or maybe not so surprising then. But um, but yeah, this point uh, goes again to Sam, uh, 20 is, is, is closer to 3 than 30, so it's 5 against 1. And we move on to P7 Piastri, Sam.
1: I'm I'm gonna say that uh, quite a few people chose him. I'm going to put I'm gonna go back to the number twenty.
2: <laughs> I think maybe twelve. Point
0: goes to Sam again because it was 39 people. So yeah, indeed a little bit more. Um and um and and still. A relatively low number. I feel I don't know. I, I would have expected more people. Um, I Agree to, with you there. To have, uh, yeah. But um, of course, Piastri didn't have the updates this weekend that Norris did. Uh, I think he is going to have them in, in in Japan, so it's going to it's going to be interesting. Um We move on to the second Red Bull Pires, who finished on P eight. Luis, how many people had Pires there? Mm, around twenty.
1: I'm going to say forty five.
0: Well, Luis, you got very close with this one. It was 19 people, so you're only one off. Oh, it
2: it gave it give me <laughs> yes. another point, so I think I'm yeah, on the yeah, race. Yeah, you doubled your <laughs>
0: amount of points. It's, it's, it's two now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we go to Lawson on P9. Um, interested to hear what you think, uh, Sam. It's, it's your turn first. How many people got Lawson there?
1: There's going to be a few people that chose Lawson because of his last race. Well, we
0: already said that um, that uh, Jakub Hincha, who was second this weekend, uh, had him. I gave that away already. So at least one person.
1: The question is how many, of course. So, yeah, I'm going to say 15. No, no, hold on. I stop. St- no, I'll, I'll just stick to 15. Let, let's see what happens.
0: <laughs> mm, I think maybe 10. Another point for you, Luis, because it was only four people.
2: Wow. I I don't think that many of us gave Lawson, like, maybe the P9. I think most of them could give him the P10 because it's, like, really surprising what he's doing at that for specifically in his third race this season, and... I don't think that many people is giving him the credit that he deserves, so I'm really, I'm really happy for his performance.
0: While you say that, let me check. So, okay, in between question, how many people do you think then put Lawson on P10 instead of P9?
2: Mm, maybe at least
0: 20. Yeah, there were 39 people who had him on P10, actually. So, only four people on P9 and 39 on P10. So, yeah, the vast majority of people that put him in their top 10 put him on P10. Um, so, um, but in any way, you get this point um, because you were closer with 10. Um then we go to the final one, uh, which you actually had correct, uh, Luis. And you can start with guessing how many people had Magnussen on P10.
2: Well, hmm. I think at least 25.
1: That's a good guess. I was gonna. I was thinking of the 20s as well, but I'm going to say 19.
0: All right, that got you a little bit closer. There were 13 people, so a bit below both of your guesses. But uh, that brings you the point, Sam, which makes it six against three. Um, that means I'm counting wrong somewhere because. Um, We've had ten questions. <laughs> Let me go back. <laughs> uh,
1: wait one sec. I need the jeopardy theme music while while Anton reviews the scores. <laughs> yeah, it's not,
0: not often, it's not too often.
1: It's not too often that this has to happen. The race is thrown him through a <laughs> loop. He doesn't it, it it's so backwards from what he normally looks at. He doesn't know what to do. He has to go back and look all over again.. Ding, ding
0: oh Jesus okay i'm uh, so what's going on bigger. over there? Wait, give me one second, <laughs> yeah, every time I count, I get to six three but it it's it, it can't oh be my that. goodness one this one's for you
1: wow the, the the I feel like like has the f i a influenced you this weekend like mm,
2: they might have
1: taking time <laughs> yeah
2: they they are behind the logistics here, right. So. <laughs>
1: They're, they were a little slow this weekend when it, came to, when it came to the safety car calls. I feel like maybe they've rubbed off on Anton on his points. Okay, stop the
0: count. <laughs> it's, it's seven against three. Uh, yeah, I, I missed one of your points, Sam. All right, okay. Let's go to the last and bonus question, which is the fastest lap, which Hamilton took on lap 47. Mm-hmm. How many people predicted that, Sam?
1: I'm going to say 42. I'm
0: going to say 50. It was nineteen people one nine. So uh, wow. so Sam, that point goes uh, to you as well. Sam, you uh, this is one of the rare weekends <laughs> that you win the quiz.
1: Like if there's ever gonna be a rare time, let it be when the rare opportunity that uh, that Ferrari wins, and then I win in points. Woohoo!
0: All right, so um, so let's um, look a little bit ahead. Uh, we don't need to wait very long because we're gonna have another race next weekend in Japan. And um, what do you guys uh, look forward to specifically for uh, for next weekend?
1: So excited! Uh, Suzuka is one of my favorite tracks on the calendar, so I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, last year was the this was the track where uh, Verstappen was crowned world champion, right? If I if my memory serves me well.
0: Yeah, true. Um, with a lot of confusion around it.
1: Yes. Uh, so, but it's it's always an exciting track. Last year there was a lot of rain, so hopefully. I don't know. I'd like to say hopefully that's not the case. Anton may have a little bit of a different opinion in that regard. But uh, definitely coming off the heels of, of this and, and the success of Ferrari and the lack thereof of Red Bull, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I'm sure that Red Bull will bounce back, uh, but let's see if it's in a big way or if maybe we have a little bit more consistency coming out of Ferrari.
2: Yeah, we have, like, uh, specifically, I think we will see another Max Verstappen crown moment. Maybe he, he will be, his third championship will be secured here in, in Japan. And also, I think Constructor will be secured also in Japan. They didn't, the only thing that they needed was the two Mercedes out of the points for this race and they, they only had one, so I think uh, Red Bull will have the two championships secured in Suzuka. It's a lovely circuit, I think it's one of the, one of my favorites, and also I think it's one of the favorites of all the F1 fans. I think Red Bull will, ba- will bounce back, I think maybe double podium for them. I think they will like really came strong here in Suzuka, and would love to see another livery of Red Bull if they have a special livery here in Japan. But I think this will be a really normal race uh, with Verstappen dominating the, the race and Checo trying to fight for a podium. And we have to see if only it's a matter of track regarding the flexi win and normally uh, normative related to the regulation related to the floor, but I hope it's for the circuit only not related to that issue because it will be like a really, uh, really hot topic in the F1 if that happens, so I hope Red Bull bounce back.
0: I think uh, there's definitely a chance of uh, Red Bull taking the constructors. I do think that Verstappen's probably not going to clinch the championship next weekend. I think it's probably going to be pushed towards Qatar looking at uh, because he I think in order to to win it in Japan, he would have had to have a bigger gap towards Pires. and now there's only uh, like 6 points between the two of them. So I don't think that's enough for him to uh, mathematically clinch it in, in Japan, but um but, uh, yeah, uh, I do, coming back to what you said, Sam, I, I, I don't necessarily want the amount of rain that we had last year. That was definitely too much rain. I wouldn't mind a, a small shower during quality or rain but uh, or the race, but uh, but not as much as last year. It was, uh, I think, uh, visibility was uh, extremely bad. But I do agree that it's one of the, the, the better or nicer or racing tracks on the calendar. So definitely looking forward to that. I also want to uh, just tell everybody that they need to be aware that uh, picks need to be made a little bit earlier because we're not, uh, well, we're racing on the same side of the world as we were in Singapore, but it's not a night race. It's it's a race that will be, um, I think, the quali starts at uh, local time, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, that means that um, with the deadline being 12 hours before the start of quali for making your picks, uh, everything will be pushed a little bit uh, forward. So you need to make your picks a little bit earlier. Um, but, um, I, I don't think that should be a problem. I, I just think the biggest problem will be to decide, uh, <laughs> who to put where I think it's going to be a, a tough one.
1: Well, you, you know, what else is going to be interesting is for us on this side of the pond, um, qualifying is going to be at two in the morning and the race is going to be at one in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah it'll be totally agree
1: (laughs) yeah for all three of us so it should it should be it should be interesting um i i remember during the um australia race i did stay up and uh i i paid the price but (laughs) we'll see we'll see if we can we can make it last and be up for two and one o'clock consecutively for the weekend also i have a question for for both of you do we do we believe that we might see the return of ricardo or do we think that this is going to be another race for lawson next weekend
2: uh rumors surrounding that we're aiming to ricardo in qatar so i think ricardo will join the f1 and Alpha tauri in qatar but I don't specifically think that would be a really nice move to put him there, specifically Lawson trying to have a contract for 2024, but I think the Ricardo return could be for Austin, because Ricardo is more involved in the United States culture and he loves like the cowboy and that so i think he could aim in austin specifically
0: yeah but i do think that uh, because qatar is on the the weekend of the, the the 6th 7th and 8th of october and i think that lawson has a race in super formula there so um i i, I think that if there is a chance that ricardo can can drive that race they'll probably um, going to put Ricardo back in the car on on that weekend and have Lawson race in Super Formula, where he is a title contender. And I suppose um, if 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 they don't, if they do give him the option to drive Formula One, it's going to be a interesting choice for him to make um, between you know I don't know trying to score a point uh, on a Formula One race or uh, trying to to win a title in another series. But um, but definitely uh, a, bit of, uh, a bit of a bit of a I don't know luxury headache for. Uh, for Alfa Tauri and, and, or perhaps Red Bull, whoever makes the decisions there. Um, But it's going to be interesting. But yeah, uh, Sam, I, I do agree with Luis. I think that uh, it's going to be too early for Ricardo to come back in Japan already.
1: Yeah, I agree with both of you. I, I think we're going to see Lawson
0: next weekend. All right, well.
1: All right, so I think that pretty much wraps it up once again this weekend. And for those of you that are, of course, listening, don't forget to rate us uh, or follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of the uh, streaming platforms that you may use to listen to us.
0: And uh, Luis, to you, a big thank you for coming on. it was uh, It was nice to talk about the race with you, and also nice to hear a little bit about um, about what you do surrounding Formula One. And um, we'll we'll I'll definitely be sure to join you on your next uh, live video. And um, yeah again thanks for coming on
2: Uh, Antoine uh, Sam thank you for having me here Uh, hopefully we can be in another episode Uh, we would love to really and because it's my first time like doing uh, an episode in English so great job I think yeah I'm trying to (laughs) all
0: right see you guys next next week